Turn off the lights. Oh, that's better. Light a candle. And then if Teddy didn't think you were listening, he'd holler at you. Turn him off! <laughs> Who's Teddy? <laughs> that's a joke from uh, the original Kings of Comedy. There, Teddy Pendergrass is this R&B singer who had this, you know, soft, sultry, soft, sultry voice, but he could also, you know, growl like that. <laughs> and so um, this guy was talking about how with his songs, you know, he liked how Teddy Pendergrass would give instruction, you know, like turn off the lights, light a candle. And then the comedian goes, but if Teddy didn't think you were listening, he'd holler at you. Turn him off! And then the comedian like acts like he's running to the light switch, and then he just like slows down. He's like, turns off the light, and unplugs the lamp, unscrews the light bulb. It's Cedric the Entertainer. It's it's a, such a good joke. <laughs> Well, hello, and welcome to Bro Mancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch rom-coms and record our thoughts and place them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners. Listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. We haven't recorded on a weeknight in a long time. Yeah, I it's mean, kind of throwing me off. Count Friday night, but yeah. I, I wouldn't count Friday night as a weeknight. No, no. Yeah, you know, Friday life. Friday nights are the new Saturday nights. When you when you turn yeah. thirty, like Friday nights become like, all right, if I'm gonna go out this week, it's Friday night because I need the weekend to recover. Exactly, um, a hundred percent. Yes, I mean, um, and yeah, and you know, it, it because of I don't know. It was not like I did anything, but this weekend was just tiring because it was so yes. hot in Chicago. It was exhausting. It was, it was in the high 80s, low 90s, and humid. The The humidity was Ugh. like... It, it like, was gross. It was fucking gross. I mean, I had my air conditioner on full blast, and like it was... It, it helped. It saved me. But like, it was still... Ugh. it was Ugh. still tough yeah. i i was suffering from dehydration the whole fucking weekend i think like <laughs> yeah. i went to that ball the yeah. Sox cubs game friday night and yeah it was, like, it was outdoor for i mean that was a five-hour ball game almost mm-hmm. so it was just outdoor in that heat for five hours and like no there's just no way you're cook- drinking enough water <laughs> just cooking and then yeah. softball in the middle of the day saturday yeah oh with the heat radiating up off the infield oh and then did you end up making it to the beach on Sunday? Yeah. So then, so then I'm like, I finally get like, okay, I got like an afternoon of downtime uh, to myself. I got no social commitments. Let's do this shit. I'm like, I'm going to go to the beach. Finally, go to the beach. I get there. Not very many people are there. I can hear the lapping of the waves. I settle in. I'm ready. I'm just dozing off. Giant gust of wind comes whipping sand all through my ears, beating the shit out of me. Doesn't stop. 
finally does uh, or finally dies down, starts raining on me. Oh. Starts fucking raining on me. And then like giant clouds and shit gather. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck you, Beach. Like I wanted to give you one more chance before the end of the summer. <laughs> oh, man. You this know. fucking weekend. Sometimes life takes unexpected turns. Life is like speaking, that. Speaking of life taking unexpected turns, we watch Life As We Know It, a movie in which a very large life event occurs and two mismatched Like people. 15 large life events occurred. God damn. <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, a rom-com occurs within this fucking i guess yeah like (laughs) these large life events um it is a movie that is that is the final movie of our shitless month uh as we are five mondays in august this year so we had an extra one um and it's listed as one of the lower uh rom or rotten tomato scores for rom-coms so, um, and also, you know, other movies that, uh, it says you might also like would be what happens in Vegas couples retreat. And <laughs> you hear about the Morgans, <laughs> great movies that we have killed. Um, fantastic but, films, but does it belong with them? We will talk about that. Uh, first, as with all shitless movies, we start this off with the Rotten Tomato score. Max, out of 153 critic reviews, what is what do you think the Rotten Tomato score is for this film? 15%. It is 29%. Ooh. It's not that low, but it is definitely not fresh. <laughs> not close to being no, fresh. No, it's expired. Yeah. Um, although the audience score is 61%. Oh, which... interesting. Wait, wait, wait. Have we done audience score before? Uh, no, because sometimes there's a real, like, because there's not a huge discrepancy between them usually. Um, Are you giving us false information, Renee? I mean, <laughs> like, there's, like, films aren't, like, 14% no, I'm, here, I'm, I'm but 80% you. here, so... If, the, if it was, I would have mentioned it. So uh, what do we got this time? Sixty percent, sixty-one percent for critic review or for person or uh, audience. Interesting. Score. Interesting. Okay. Yes. Uh, the critics' consensus for this film is that Catherine Heigl and Josh Duhamel uh, make a charming couple with plenty of chemistry, but that isn't enough to make up for life as we know its formulaic plot and poorly written script. Huh. I will give it to them on formulaic plot. Yeah. The written script, I laughed a lot. There were a lot of gags and written jokes that I thought were funny. We've reviewed shitty scripts plenty on this fucking podcast. This was not (laughs) one of the shitty scripts. There was plenty to complain about, but shitty script is not one of them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, interesting. The very first 
Metacritic review on Rotten Tomatoes is from what someone considered a top critic called Catherine Don from Bitch Media. <laughs> That's an awesome name. This is considered a fresh review from January of 2021. Oh, okay. And the blurb is where baby boom gave hope life as we know it brings despair. What? Someone's had too much of 2020. I, uh, how is that considered a blurb for a positive review? <laughs> how is someone is from that... bitch media considered a top critic? I don't get anything about what I just read. Uh, again, 2020 explains, I think, everything in this in this review. <laughs> I think like every, all of your answers can be, or all of your questions can be answered by that. This is a post-pandemic issue right here. Another top critic uh, by the name of Anna Smith for the Metro.co.uk, so uh, uh, UK outlet. Uh, she writes a positive review, three out of five. Uh, but given that the supporting characters aren't bad, what could have been another awful rom-com turns into something half decent. Hmm. I would say I, definitely initially, I, I think I felt strongest with that review. <laughs> like out of the two that I've read so far. Y- yeah. Um, I'm trying to find another uh, quote unquote top critic. Well, and I think initially after once we'd stopped watching the movie and I like took a second to like take the headphones off and like, you know, turn on the computer and everything and get ready. Like I think like once it sucked in, that was kind of like my summarize of it too, like initially. I was like, huh, it was just surprising. It was a lot deeper than I thought it would be. I agree. Um, let's see here. Uh, so we have in this is from Alicia Malone. Alicia, Alicia, Alicia. I, I never Alicia, know how to say that. Alicia. A-L-I-C-I-A. The C-I-A one is Alicia. Alicia. Uh, My cousin's name is Alicia, and it was spelled that way, so maybe. Right, yeah, I, I always I don't that. know. Yeah. Alicia Malone of Film Inc. from Australia uh, gave it a negative review in October of 2010. Uh, it never deviates from the romantic comedy guidebook. It delivers exactly what you would expect and nothing further. Tears, laughter, romance, and plenty of cute baby moments awkwardly wrapped in a tragic situation. God. That's fucking truth. Yeah. Um, it's very true there. Uh, and then John Wirt of The Advocate in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, also gave it a negative review, writing, even if the film isn't worth recommending, it's not nearly as bad as it deserves to be. Yeah. I'll initially, yeah, that's, I'll initially agree with that right now. Like, uh, But I'll finish off with this, uh, with, uh, two more top critic reviews, one negative, one positive. The negative one comes from Jake Wilson of The Age, which is also in Australia. He writes, pure Hollywood corn, saccharine and sour by turns. Um, basically another you know, typical rom-com. Sort of yeah. Thing. While uh, 
Paul Paul Burns of the Sydney Morning Herald, who's considered a top critic as well, writes, and I'm guessing Sydney Morning Herald is another Australia outlet, um, gave this a three out of five positive review. This is the first produced script from the writers, and they find more flexibility in the story than I expected. There is space for depth, drama, and real life. Mm, yeah, so much drama. <laughs> so much. Um, and I lied. I'm gonna go. I want to read another one. Uh, Jim Shembury from the Age, also in Australia, considered <laughs> a top critic. The okay. Australians had so, a lot to say. Yeah, they really dug this shit. Uh, yeah, two point five out of five, but it's considered a positive review. Uh, despite the film's initial overloading on sub- of suburban stereotypes, the easy gags about promiscuity, baby vomit, and nappy change and nappy which would be uh diaper uh changing uh it gradually gives way to a pretty decent if strictly formulaic yarn about commitment and unexpected life changes well shit thank you for listening to our podcast um (laughs) yeah just about fucking sums up our shit um yeah thank you uh um so they pretty much gave it all away there. Uh, uh, <laughs> before we get further, Glad we're on the right track, but like, yeah, I mean, I picked them for a, a reason and that'll be our jumping off point here in a second, but uh, let, I'll read the stats for the movie. Life as we know, it is a 2010 American romantic comedy film directed by Greg Berlanti starring Catherine Heigl and Josh Duhamel. Uh It was released on October 8th. 2010 after sneak previews on October 2nd, 2010. Um, and 2010. Wow. It, it felt newer than that. Uh, I mean, well, you don't watch basketball when I saw Mike Bibby and Joe Johnson. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's, 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 that was a while ago. That's true. (laughs) Um, the running or the, time, or the thrashers like yeah or the thrashers <laughs> still existing um the running time for the film is 115 minutes uh, yeah it starts off slow it was long it starts off slow it does pick up um and then also the ending could have been a little tighter um mm, in my opinion yeah like when he gets offered the Phoenix job and then he actually goes to Phoenix and then comes yeah. back and then they have the falling out. Then they have the airport scene. Then they get together. at the. It's like, ah, did we have to have like seven different things happen after? Like, yeah. Could, could he have just like not taken the Phoenix job? Or like, could the Phoenix job have been the chance for an actual climactic revelation between the two of them? You know, like, well, that's what I'm saying. That like that he basically realizes that his life, his new life, his world, his everything now is, you know, a Holly and Sophie. Yeah. And that he really can't like being a director for the sons isn't worth, you know, losing them. And and like, you know, he but then he ends up getting the director job for the Hawks or maybe like 
the Thrashers need a new director. So now he's directing hockey instead of, or maybe the director is like, well, I got a new job directing the Thrashers. Like they're hand, they're that, handling that. That's director. true. So now we need a new director for the Hawks. You've been promoted. Boom, bang, bang. That's true. I guess, I guess a younger me would have looked at that as like, oh my God, he's giving up his dream job or his, you know, his career for, for what, you know? And it's not so it's not so much for what it's putting in perspective of like, yeah, but there's other dream jobs. It's not just this one. And it's like, like you just said, like you have no idea where that's going to lead you just because he's turning down the Phoenix job doesn't mean he loses his job as what the assistant director, the technical as the technical director, technical uh, his director. Per, uh, yeah. for the Hawks. Right. And it doesn't mean that he can't apply for other such jobs with other sports teams in Atlanta, which is a huge sports market. See, like adult job hunting now has like yeah. turned me on to this perspective. I'm like, Oh, shit, this <laughs> yeah. is how it works. Okay. Yeah. The, you know, it doesn't have to be an end all be all like, Oh, I have, I mean, granted there are only 30 NBA teams when you get offered a director job, it is kind <laughs> of tough to not take it. True. At the same time. You could probably use them as a reference though. I mean, it's like if you ever wanted to apply for another job, well, I mean, his current director obviously is a reference because he was referencing him to that job in the first place. Obviously, yeah. So, yeah, you know. Uh, but this movie uh, had a budget. <laughs> okay. How much do you think they spent making this film in Atlanta? Mm. Well, Georgia is a place where they they film a lot of stuff now, right? Georgia. I mean, that's where Archer was made. Georgia. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say $25 million. Catherine Heigl and Josh Duhamel were bigger names than that, man. They spent $38 million to make this. Oh, that's true. I kind of under-guessed it. Yeah. <laughs> this was... When Catherine Heigl's name was hot, hot, hot for rom-coms. Yeah, um, that's true. How much did it make in the box office? Um. Okay, so if we got Catherine Heigl. How do you say his name? Josh Dumal? Josh Dumel. Dumel. Yeah, basically the H and the A. It always throws me off. Silent. It always throws me the, off. The H would, and the A are silent. I always so want to say do Hamill. <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess probably like I don't know ninety. No. It made a hundred and five million dollars. All right, all right. So it made three times its budget. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Which is surprising. I mean, like I mean, like you point out, it's got two strong lead names. I got to be honest; it's not like it's two leads that I would really think of as like a rom com worth seeing in theater. But hey, roped in the bucks. Yeah, man. Um, nothing really else was noteworthy about the production. It was filmed in the Atlanta area. Um, and then the store uh, was in like a 
it was in an area of Virginia. And then the uh, technical stuff for the uh, Hawks games and everything was filmed in the TBS sports studios, which are connected to the Phillips Arena, at, it was, mm. as it was known at the time, it was at the State Harbor Arena, because that's where Turner Broadcasting Systems all Ah. Uh, so they basically so, just saved money by using their own production equipment as the set. Well, it was a Warner Brothers film, and Warner Brothers bought Turner, so therefore, yeah, they used their own shit. <laughs> They're like, we are. We see you. We fucking yeah. see you. Yeah. Nice try. It's like, it's like if a, a movie was being made by 20th Century Fox right now, and all of a sudden uses like a Disney lot to film something. It's like, <laughs> no, we know, we know. You're really Disney in Fox clothing. But nonetheless. Um, Why is Mickey Mouse in this ESPN documentary? <laughs> well, that's another one. Um, so this film was better than it had any right to be, I think. It, re- it, it at least caused more emotional response than it needed to. And it, I like it bothered me because of that (laughs) yeah like i was legit like interested to see where it went i didn't care where couples retreat ended up i didn't care where about or all about steve ended up um i'd seen summer catch before and that one was so formulaic you don't really need to care about where it goes yeah uh same with what happens in vegas you kind of knew where that I was just what happened to Vegas. The only reason I paid attention to that was I was just waiting for the next time Rob Corddry and Blake Bell showed up on screen. <laughs> exactly. Um, I was just looking for them. So this was the first film in a long time where, like, it, where first off I was watching it for the first. Well, not necessarily because I the last two movies I was watching for the first time, but that I was watching for the first time. That also I was interested to see where it went. Yeah. And like and to see the choices that it made and that I wasn't thoroughly uh annoyed or offended or just downright <laughs> disappointed in the choices that the film made. Um as far as yeah, it made me it made me appreciate it's this is a movie that we needed it made me appreciate the shit list because it like it gave me perspective on like oh yeah this is why we kill movies like yeah. now i remember what the difference is like made me appreciate the scale that we've got yes and it reminded me of like oh god i really like the scale that we've got because of, of yeah. movies like this i mean that's why failure to launch was so clutch last shitless season because yeah. it reminded yeah. us, like, oh, there's still there's still shit, quote unquote, shitty rom coms, which basically formulaic is really the word. There's quote unquote formulaic rom coms that are still fun to watch, and still, like, you know what's going to happen, and you still are entertained by it. Like this is this is what rom com. This is rom com one hundred and one. Right. Life as we know it is rom-com 101. It is an inoffensive film that I don't necessarily need to watch again, but if it comes up on my screen, I won't necessarily turn it off. 
Yep. 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 This is that's Rob Cobb 101. That's why we got the scale. That's why we got the scale. Yeah. I mean, it 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 does come down to like, you know, Josh Dubell and Catherine Heigl do have a nice chemistry together. They have a they have a again, this is gonna be a recurring complaint of ours. They've got way more chemistry than they deserve to have. <laughs> like it's like I was again unprepared. Like you see Catherine Heigl and Josh Dumel. You think this is the ugly truth meets like I don't know Transformers. <laughs> like what the f- this is just this is gonna be a shitless movie, right? Yeah, you see them in there and you just think, oh, the budget's too much for what this film is. Yeah, and like, <laughs> oh, God, this is not going to be that great. Like, Catherine Heigl's going to overact. Josh Duhamel's going to underact. I mean, the last movie we saw with both of these actors in it, we killed. Wait, we've seen both of them together before? We've seen them in the same movie. No, we haven't. Yes, we have. What? New Year's Eve. Oh my God! Oh, I forgot about that. Gary Marshall, you son of a bitch! You fuck, Gary Marshall! God! <laughs> I thought I was free of that son of a bitch. <laughs> but nonetheless, um. Yeah, that's the worst of Josh Dumel and Catherine Agle. Because they're basically, they probably had about 12 hours in their schedule that they had to film seven scenes for. And they were given half a script and said, make something. Um, But this one actually had like a script that they actually gave a shit about. And it it was obviously like, it, it definitely felt like something... That was, if not something that actually happened to the writers and filmmakers. Yes. That they had deeply thought about. Yes. And that they had the type of friendship with someone and type of godfather relationship with a kid. And it felt lived in. I felt, exactly. Lived in is a great way to put it, actually. Yeah. That's exactly what I felt the whole time. I was thinking that the whole damn time. I was like, a lot of this just seems so fucking real but also specific enough that makes me think this happened to some people yes at at the very least like to multiple people and they combined their different stories and turned it into this movie like but at least a lot of this shit seems real yes and yeah and so it just it felt easy to you know to all of a sudden just jump into this you know the situation where all of a sudden they have to take care of this kid and how one person's a little more gung-ho than the other yeah but then but then the other feels a sense of obligation so that they go with it 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 you know that they weren't on the same page but you never mistook their motivation for doing it there's never a part where you're just like, then just give up then. Because there was no way to give up in this situation. Like, the worst case scenario is you put this child of two people that you cared about deeply into foster care. That, that That's high stakes. Yeah. The stakes are there for the film. 
So you know that they have to go. So the, the, like everything they're going through as an audience member, you understand why they're going through it, why they're putting themselves through this situation, why they're coming down the stairs with shit on their face, you know, why yeah. they're doing everything they're doing because they can't let the product of their best friend's love, which they in turn love, just hap- just get into the foster system. Yeah. Peter and Allison. Is that how they were? That, that's the original couple. Yeah. Jesus. Christina Hendricks and. I believe the guy's name is Hayes MacArthur. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Hey. Um, but it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's 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 a lot of levels. It's very like. It was a fucking roller coaster, man. Like I was like, you mentioned like there was just a lot of you, you mentioned you wanted to write stuff down that it made you feel a lot of things, but then every time I hear you like try to say something about this film, you just sort of trail off like. <laughs> well, because I don't want to launch into anything yet. Like I keep I keep waiting for us to kind of discuss other things. Now's the time to launch into it. I mean, it's yeah. it's complicated as shit. Like I like I can. It's a movie that I think made me feel like <laughs> it made me feel older than I am or the older than I used to think I was, but in a good way. Like it made me realize like, holy fuck, I do have a different perspective on life than I used to kind of thing. Like, I agree. And I, and I felt similar, but continue. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah. But continue. Um, yeah, it was just like, I was looking at some of the scenes that felt very real and I was putting in a context of my own life and like, you know, how um, just just any of it, any of, the, any of the things like the parenting issues that I never would have understood as, a, as when I was younger or even like a couple years ago, really. But now in my, I don't know, I guess I'm starting in my 30s to like, I don't know. I I don't I don't have any connection to kids or being a parent at all, but it, it's just I don't know. I guess with a little bit more age and experience with everything else in life, it I can start to see I guess like my parents' point of view and some of their arguments and shit. So like that threw me off like being able to take that perspective in some of their arguments on the screen. Whereas, and then, but also be fresh from an age where, like, I know I would not have had that perspective on those arguments. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt all of my 33 years while watching this film. <laughs> um, yeah, like, it was such a fucking roller coaster. And it mostly came down to the fact that, you know, watching it and, and like, yeah, I don't have kids, but then I think that there's there. I have so many friends who have kids now. I have friends who have two kids, you know, that have like families and everything else like that. And just the the thought of, you know, I like I guess I would be considered that, um, you know, messer character where right? I'm the one who, you know is kind of, you know, carefree living in the big city, like, 
you know, single dude who has no like attachment sort of thing. Although I'm not getting laid nearly as much because I don't look like Josh Dumel. Um, well, not a lot of us do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but nonetheless, it, it, it's, but yeah, the, the not, idea of not that, a lot of uh, us look like Josh Lucas either, but we'll get, there. Oh, oh, we'll get to him. I will get to him, but, um, it, but yeah, the, just the immediate responsibility that's, you know, thrust upon him, the fact that he feels, you know, all of a sudden his freedom's taken away, but at the same time, understanding that that responsibility needs to be taken and you have to step up and also seeing the benefits of taking over that responsibility. Like, you know, it was like my 20 something year, like 10 years ago, my 23 year old self would be like, fuck that. I'm trying to go get drunk. Yeah. Like, like I'm not trying to take care of this kid. I'm trying to go get drunk. Like, I can't go out and party on the weekends. Like the fuck is this now as a 33 year old, I'm just like, you know, I, 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 I get like having, or you know, trying to figure out how to work this thing to where the kid sits on your, in, in that little uh, carrying thing as yeah. you're walking around and everything. And like, you know, and just like try to take care of this kid on the weekends and like going and doing shit as a family, quote unquote. Yeah. Like it, it's just a matter of human nature and growing up and growing older. That's just, you know, that's how we've been. That's how we've evolved as a species, as a, as a being, as humans. This is what we've, you know, this is how we've progressed. And so, you know, it, it's definitely a film for those who have move beyond a certain age or a certain, <laughs> I guess a certain like idea of responsibility. Cause if you don't yeah. seek responsibility or if you just, if you know you're not ready for responsibility or you just don't even care about responsibility, this film just going to seem like, Oh fuck all of that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't waste my yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, it's it's if, definitely meant for a different age. Yeah. But like, if you were, like I still wouldn't necessarily seek out responsibility, but if I got caught in a situation where all of a sudden I got asked by like a friend to be a godparent or like got thrust into a situation like this, then I would have a, a strong, you know, a strong think about it, like about just changing my entire life to take care of, you know, whomever and, be the the pillar of that I that I'd have to be in that situation. I think the situation you know? like definitely definitely called for that, then specifically in this one. Uh, and I think yeah, having a di- having that age definitely changes the perspective. I mean, I definitely I don't want the responsibility, and I can still yeah. I'm still at an age where I'm like, okay, I I at least understand this perspective from a new perspective now, mm-hmm. like. It still scares the shit out of me, and I personally don't um, want it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I can at least like, oh shit, like I get it, like I get the actual emotional and like moral implications behind that difficult decision. Now, you know. Yeah, and 
on on top of all of that, the fact that they continue to not necessarily be perfect in in, in their actions. Like they were, like yeah. he still wasn't yeah. necessarily like immediately perfect. Like you know, I he, liked that they embraced that. Yeah, like he was still. And he still like was he was quote unquote playing the part. He says that, uh, you know, Holly is still uh, not you know perfect and just like having trouble keeping up and everything else like that. It you know the fact that you could just see these two having to learn on the go instead of immediately just being like, oh, I know how to be a parent. Right, right. Like, no, you wouldn't know how to be a parent in this situation. You wouldn't necessarily know how to grieve for your friends and also take care of this kid and do everything you possibly can. And, like, yeah, there would be financial situations. Like, there was just a lot of stuff that it's just, like, this all checks out. Like, this is exact. This is how it would be if you were caught in this situation. And even like there was a lot to it that now that you say that it reminds me that like there was a lot to it that was just applicable to life in general, I think, for the 30s. Like even without that situation, some of the lessons in it were so transferable. Like like you were just saying, fuck, I knew I was going to lose it. Um, You were just saying about. I don't know. Doesn't matter. I lost it. <laughs> uh, just saying about, um, like the the whole, you know, not being ready for things. Yeah, but having to do it anyway. I, I, yeah, I tried to help. I, I appreciate um, it. That's all right. But then on top of that, there was still it was still a movie that had performances and jokes and like Melissa McCarthy. For instance, the Queen, Melissa McCarthy. Oh my God, she was so good. The like, you, like we both kind of were a little disappointed in the in the poop on Catherine Heigl's face. Yeah, when she was coming down the stairs, we're just like, this is this is more gross than anything. Just because, like, I I immediately think of like it, like the shit, and just like, Ugh. like I I gag a little bit, but then. To have the punchline be Melissa McCarthy in a Southern accent, just very matter-of-factly tell her, honey, you have shit on your face. Yeah, it made it. That was worth everything. It was just like, okay, this gag was perfectly written because you had Melissa McCarthy deliver the punchline. Uh, Her husband in the film, Andy Daly, fantastic improv actor. Um, So he he was a nice foil to Melissa McCarthy. Will Sasso, um, he's funny. Like his, like him being a former athlete was always funny. Uh, Rob Hubel and his partner, that was a, a fun dynamic. I forget I forget who what Will Sasso's wife's name in real life is. Uh, but her like attraction to uh, Messer was pretty funny. Um, and then of course the you know, Camille Nagiani had some nice funny bits as the, you know, the stat guy. Oh, yeah, he did. In the production. But the real star of all the supporting actors was Josh Lucas. Oh, my God. A.K.A. Sam, the doctor. 
the pediatrician. The I know someone else has already already called this, but dibs. <laughs> yeah, the person who called dibs is my oldest sister, Monica. God damn it! Uh, my oldest sister, Monica, will literally fight you to the death for him. I don't. Yeah, I don't trust my chances um, against her. So you have her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Josh Lucas, I've never been more attracted to a man in my life than Josh Lucas in this film. Yeah. Yeah. I got to admit like this dude, God, this dude, the, I mean, I, like he was already it, like pretty it's cool. unfair. It's, it's really was, unfair. Yeah. He was a cool character in sweet home, Alabama, like his character in sweet home, Alabama, hilarious, really cool dude. You definitely want to have a beer with him. You get why all the ladies wanted to be with him. Like, it all made sense. He was a fantastic, like, leading man in that film. But in this film... Dreamy eyes, like, dimples, like... Dreamy eyes, the fact that he's a pediatrician, he, like, he knows his shit. You know he's, like, a very responsible human being. I mean... He's way too perfect for that. Like, they, ca- they cast perfectly for the most stereotypical, absolute positive villain role. Like he's the villain guy in the rom-com, but in this rom-com, yeah. he's like the absolute fucking Prince Charming that's absolutely yeah. perfect. Who understands when to let go as well. God damn. I mean, you know, I, 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 and it's, and also the fact that the, you know, you find out that his divorce was due to a lack of passion. Basically they fell out of love. So even then, his divorce wasn't even like, uh, oh, I hit her once and like we broke up. Like it wasn't even anything nefarious. It was just like we just didn't lack the passion like you guys have in your relationships. Or anything. It, it just. What we don't Sam, see is what we don't see is uh, they were like a failed Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And <laughs> he's calmed down and had therapy since then. But what happens after or after is that Sam finds the love of his life oh can we yeah can we please see a fucking sam movie because i mean just he he just finds i mean there's no movie to to watch he just finds the love of his life it just gets right to the climactic rom-com kiss and and it's and it's someone who's who's not a mother like it's not some like it's not necessarily a you know someone whose kid he's already seeing which is an awkward situation. It's an it's an equal love. It's someone who understands him and he understands her and it's a very equal yeah. I like to think it's another, you know, professional who just happened to put their professional life first, which I which is what I like to think is the reason why Sam and his first marriage didn't work because he put his professional life, he put his, you know, being a doctor and a pediatrician before his wife. And his wife just couldn't handle being second place anymore. That's an interesting take. Yeah. You know, and maybe they were high school sweethearts, so she was used to being first. But then he's just continually, you know, put his goals before right. her. Right. And she just couldn't be second place anymore as she grew older and they grew apart. And now he's with and then he finds someone who maybe he finds a, a, a nice lawyer, a, an attractive lawyer who's put her lawyer career ahead of everyone else and now they're both in their you know mid 30s 
realizing that their professions aren't providing the same fulfillment that they did when they were the the lone goal in life yeah and then they find each other and they realize that's that there's the the fulfillment all of it combined including that other person that they found in atlanta with their very rich household because they're a doctor and a <laughs> i mean it sounds like every what every rom-com wants to be that's what happens after ever after from this film. We don't like need to it. worry about. I like it. We don't I, need to I'm, worry about Holly and and Messer. They're they're good. Yeah, yeah, they're good. They're good. Uh, they're good, dude. Yeah. I, I, so I was good. worried about Sam anyway. So thank you for. No, I don't worry. I, have, I don't have to worry about him. No, we don't have to worry about our 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 heterosexual life mate. No, Sam. No. <laughs> our bro, our bromantic partner. Yeah, our romantic partner. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as far as the, the, I mean, we haven't talked about necessarily the romance though between uh, Holly and Messer. No, we haven't. I mean, the, the, I mean, I thought the very first date at the very beginning of the film is pretty fun. It, it's funny. Um. It's tough to come back from that. Like, as and far it, as... it took a while to come back from it. It was a really slow start. It had me really questioning, like, what am I investing in here? I don't see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, there and then there's the fight where he's like, uh, when she has the event, so he has to take her to, he has to take Holly to the, or not Holly, uh, Sophie to the game. And then they, you know, he misses the getting the winging shot right because because of sophie and then he's singing radiohead to her yeah everybody loves radiohead i love the way he just says it nonchalant everybody loves radiohead <laughs> and then why does everything have to be so depressing with you because <laughs> um, i'm depressed yeah and then they you know they have their fight and the way that they say fuck you to each other yeah quietly yeah and they're just like they see okay two people who didn't like like it just seemed like these are two people who didn't like each other like as a a viewing audience we have seen very little to no redeeming qualities of them as a couple right at that point or even them as a yeah them as a any sort of partnership even as parents you know like it's they're still well, each other's own individuals, I mean, you know. There was a montage where they were like starting to do the calendar stuff and like they they were given, you know, bits to do by the other parrots in the neighborhood and so Yeah, so, like, I mean we get they we get an idea. We get montage they're starting yeah. to co parent. But we don't get really like we don't get an actual insight in like get to witness fly on the wall a scene where they're, you know, a, a peek into their dynamic that was i think that's what really was surprising me the most about this movie was every time they gave us a peek into their dynamic at all it was so fucking real and they would intersperse it with those scenes like you were talking about with the like these comedic scenes where the i mean i guess this is the the equation for a rom-com but you know, they'd intersperse it with like the scene in the the cab driver being the the babysitter during the game. 
And, you know, it's like it's comedic, but it's also kind of like, huh, I could actually see that being a real problem. This would obviously not be the real world solution. This is a more comedic solution. But then it launched into the argument that was very fucking real. Like you said, the way they say fuck you to each other is so goddamn real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I oversaw my parents say that to each other more than I heard them say it to each other, actually. Um, as far as with like, but then with Holly and Messer, like, they see that home video of the argument that they have that Peter and Allison were having. And it, and it reminds them like, Hey, everyone who's parenting goes through these like fights and everything else like that. And they yeah. realize, you know, they gotta, they gotta commit. They gotta under, and like to not, to not be so hard on themselves as, as parents. And I think that's a huge like lesson to learn as adults is to not be so hard on yourself and expect perfection yeah. when the first time, like parenting. Um, that's which... okay. That's exactly what I was going to say. Thank you for fuck's sake. This is why we're friends. Same wavelengths. That's remember what I was forgetting earlier. Yeah. The light, the lesson about perfection. Yeah. It's a life lesson. It's beyond like just the parenting. Like in this, we see it applied to the issue of parenting. But like there's so many lessons in this movie like that, especially that one, that are so transferable to just adulthood at this stage of your life. Whether it is as a parent or is as a single person, the moment you reach that, like, I don't know what it I don't know what stage it is. Adulthood, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> It's like, yeah, just not being, you know, learning to take advice, solicit advice, humbly, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to really be humble in order to, to take the advice. And I think it takes a certain age to get to that point. I know I'm sure shit's still getting to there, <laughs> but yeah, did I, um, and um, and, yeah, and for me, just like, you know, giving myself credit for the small wins. Like, hey, yeah. I, I got up out of bed and I brushed my teeth today. <laughs> you know, that's a small victory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck. Just little. Like, it, like, it's okay to be happy about that. Like, it's like, oh, I yeah. didn't fucking, like, go out and conquer the world today. So fucking what? Like, yeah, I can fine. derive happiness from my life every day if i really want to mm-hmm. and it's it doesn't have really to be, tough to do that i don't have to climb mount everest every day exactly yeah you know i can just you know do this or do that and it's okay um and yeah i i just i and i think that's what it, i duck the most with this film is yeah just that the the mistakes that were made and it was okay yeah yeah it had a lot of deeper stuff to it that like i i was very well i don't know if i go pleasantly surprised because a lot of it was just like fuck i was not ready for this like goddamn i was ready for a shitless movie this 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 hurt a little bit like certain moments <laughs> brought up some heavy shit oh 
God. I mean, there was there was stuff in there. There were arguments in there that reminded me of my, you know, my teen days overseeing my parents. There were arguments in there that reminded me of bad breakups or even just bad, bad arguments in relationships, relationships that, you you know, you feel stuck in or 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 whatever. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. All of that. It's just a lot of uncomfortable kind of like complex emotions in this movie. Yeah. Like a lot more adult ramification type emotions, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Just like. Way I, more than there fucking should have been. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, but as far as like the romance, though, they do bring it together um, for the most part. I mean, the date that, like, the dinner that they have. It's because he decides that he's going to invest in her restaurant. Yeah. And then they talk without without telling us what they talk about. She crashes their motorcycle. The babysitter says they would make a cute couple. And then they make out. And then they bang. And then they get high. <laughs> I love the getting like, high scene. <laughs> yeah, which was fun. Um, but... Like, that's the parents I want to be is like, if I ever do have kids, which God, at this point, like scares, honestly scares the shit out of me still. I I don't know why. I don't know what about it does. It's just like. Anyway. But not. I but mean, he, did I? I don't even remember if I finished what I was saying, but he, I, got, no, I got scared. You didn't. I totally jumped ahead. <laughs> if, but if you were to. That's those are the kind of parents you are. Yeah, even if if I God forbid, but if I had kids, like hypothetically, I would. That's the parent I want to be. Like I want to be with a partner, like perfect scenario. I want to be with a partner that I like implicitly trust, is my equal in every way, and like we put the kid down, we go fucking smoke together, we go have our night together. It's fucking fun. You know, the kid is just naturally part of our lives. It doesn't mean like we stop living because of the kid, you know, mm. it's just a, you know, it's a big part of your life, but I don't know. Theoretically, that's how I want to be a parent. And I know there's no fucking way I could probably make that happen, but <laughs> a kid can dream. <laughs> uh, as far as the kiss of the film, though, I mean, the, the romance, I'm the finding romance, that, yeah. Let's, I mean, lacking ish. I mean, it was more about just the the accuracy of life. Yes, the yes. Situation than the romance part. We're sitting here talking about the plot and the the life lessons yeah. here, not the romance. And the romance it lacked for a good first hour of the movie to begin with, and then yeah, and then we finally get yeah. there and. And then we get there and like, there's a lot of plot holes. I mean, even then the, like them staying together and getting together at the end was more about just like, almost like the commitment that they made to each other. And the, and like, not necessarily like the romance, but it was the feelings. I wrote down feeling obligation or love i i walked away wondering did did he come back because he felt obligated not that he was consciously feeling obligated no 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 no. but that he was like 
what he was feeling was more of like, I miss, I miss this dynamic that I had over there. Uh, he got used to it. It's like Stockholm syndrome is what I was basically implying. Did I he... disagree completely. Okay. Okay. That's what I was asking. Is it that or is it yeah. actual love? No, I don't think necessarily that obligation is a, is a bad, like, I think that's a bad connotation to the thought here. I feel like the more, the difference really is between, you know, is the whole idea of romance and love. Because, like, romance is, you know, the chasing down and, you know, kiss at the top of the Empire State Building mm. and, you know, the the first date with the candlelit, you know, and, like, oh, I got you the table at Philip Lamar or whatever the fuck. You know, we had to go in through the back door like Sam and uh, Holly did on their date. You know, that's, that's the romance. Love is everything you actually share. It's the actual in-between moments. It's the life that you create with someone. It's actually being there. It's actually choosing to be there for each other, being there for each other, supporting each other, like actually creating a life together. That's actual love. And I feel like those two, that Holly and Messer had fallen in love and created a life together, without the romance. Mm. And I and I don't necessarily think you need romance in order to be in love with someone. Well, now this is getting into the question of were they did they love each other or were they in love? Which I think are two different things. I don't. I I they both involve love to me. But I think I think love and romance are like you like you're saying it's two different things. And I think being in love, I think, is another probably just another way to put romance. But yeah, um, you know, the Greeks had like fucking five or six words for this shit. You know, like we've got one, <laughs> but they've, they had yeah. like they had like platonic love was a word and, you know, romantic love, sexual love, all that. They had like five or six different versions like we need that. Because that's that's what I'm getting. That's how I'm now. I'm looking at it after you brought all this up. I'm thinking like, I don't know. To me, it's like, I know I've felt love, and I felt I felt love in several different forms. And I know I like in a way where I've like, I very much love the person, but it's different than what I would describe as being in love with that person. And maybe it is romance, but. I always thought it was more than just romance. I always thought romance was like you said, the very early stages, the ro the like rom-com stages. Yeah. But I mean, that's what rom I mean, a lot of rom-coms live in that shallow water. This yeah. water, but yeah, yeah. this movie was made in 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 deeper water. Regardless, yeah, regardless this is already deeper than most rom-com formulas. So Yeah, th this was made in in a different different it's much different. Depth of, different depth of water. Yeah. And so therefore if we we go beyond the whole, you know, first date idea, like you you don't you don't hear them talking. You just see a little montage of them talking on their first date, quote unquote. Right. Because that's what it is. Um, like it's just like we it's beyond that. It's about the fact that they both now feel secure with each other and they felt so secure with each other that they banged it out in the house that they share with the kid that they watch. 
They banged it out. They boned down. And so I, and that's, that's the first kiss of the film for them is when, when they're, they're back from the dinner and the babysitter leaves. Which was a good kiss. I thought. I thought so too, especially with like the turning and everything. Like it was, but yeah, it it was, it was tastefully passionate. I agree. And then it immediately, you know, kept, it elevated and then went straight to the bedroom. Sounds like a perfect fucking night. That and then they elevated weed, like and then they made food and brownies. And then they made weed brownies. Like know. like uh, fucking perfect night. Like <laughs> and somehow the kids slept through all that. So uh I think I was, that I think that little like preteen fucking uh babysitter is slipping at like morphine or something and knocking it the fuck out because She's got the secret touch. Every time she's over there, she's doing like, have you know, did you notice that? She's like got the magic touch every time the kid's like quiet. She's the baby whisperer. She's the fucking baby whisperer, man. So yeah, I would give it a B plus. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give yeah. it a B plus. Yeah. B plus. I would. Right. I, and, and it's more for the actual like technical, like lip, locking between the two actors as well i i mean the i thought the lighting you know having their sil- more of their silhouettes as opposed to like their bright faces and like close-ups on their faces and yeah. everything i thought having it as a silhouette made more sense in this situation i i, I think that choice worked so i i give it a b plus for the first kiss i think i'd give it a b it was solid. Nothing more, nothing less. And it was surprisingly solid, though. I'll give it that. Like Again, those two, I did not expect it. They had both pretty decent performances, and that was one of them. Yeah. I mean, and speaking of other things I didn't expect, my verdict for the film is I would fuck this film. I think it's a solid fuck. And, I, you know, it's closer to marry than it is closer to kill. Uh, for sure and this film is you know it gets the failure to launch award for a film that's supposed to be shitty but is actually pretty entertaining to watch and i'd watch again that's that's a good review um it's a fuck for me too i mean this is this was way too complex and deep and adult and surprisingly annoyingly emotionally complex (laughs) um to be to be a kill like it's i i think it would be a kill if i was in my 20s honestly yeah like i think i would have been like the fuck is this shit i don't want to deal with this right now like yeah and a lot of my a lot of myself was thinking that throughout the movie. I was like, God, this is such heavy shit. I don't want to think about this. It's uncomfortable. I was like squirmy sometimes. It was But because of that and because of the perspective we talked about, I gotta give it a fuck. But for me, the only thing I would complain about one on the last note would be it was just it, to me it would be a little bit closer to a kill than a f- Mary just a tiny bit only because remember when you said it was 2010 and I said, it felt like it was 
newer than that. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a lot of the camera work was weird. I don't know what it was if they were doing super intentional lighting or like like the long pan at the end where it came out of the house, like through the hallway from them out of the house, out into the backyard, then up above the backyard, above the treetops, above all the treetops of the neighborhood. And suddenly we see the Atlanta skyline and then the roll of the credits like, holy shit, like that. I haven't seen that big of a pan in a while. And it was like that good. It was decent. It was very smooth, very HD looking. A lot of shots like that. Combined with the lighting, it looked it looked a little soap opera-y to me sometimes. Like they had some close-ups on their faces with dramatic lighting. It had some really weirdly color-balanced scenes. It was, I don't know. It kept throwing me off with that vibe. Cause then I'm like, now I'm wondering if it's getting too complex, too overdramatic kind of thing, you know? Uh, Greg Berlanti is an American writer, producer, and director known for his work on television series, uh, such as Dawson's Creek, Brothers and Sisters, Everwood, Riverdale. Ah. Um, well, shit, Cloud, I picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, alma mater is Northwestern. Hey. Hey. Um, and, you know, he basically made a lot of, like, soap opera like, you know, dramatic type of films. And then he started doing the DC shows for the the cw recently um oh yeah but, but yeah those, those uh, failed attempts to to rival marvel get out of here yeah i mean they they have their their fans um <laughs> but nonetheless um so he comes from that soap opera area so that would explain the feel that you got that makes a lot of sense okay but I mean, there were plenty of scenes I appreciated it too. It was kind of cool. Like that final pan was actually really fucking cool. Like I was about it. My high ass brain was about it. Especially <laughs> ending on a skyline. Fuck yeah, that's all day. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that your high ass brain noticed it and felt that way about it. I mean, <laughs> skylines have never been a problem for this brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you can find our socials, uh, the show's social on Instagram uh, is at Bromancing the Stone Podcast, all one word together there, Bromancing the Stone Podcast, uh, and then on Twitter, at Bro the Stone Pod, uh, and then you can find me on Twitter, at Supermarket Sweep, without the E in super, so that's S-U-P-R Market Sweep, uh, and you can find my Instagram, at Relusa88, and that's R-E-L-U-S-A-8-8. And then also I have another podcast with my sister, Rebecca, on oh, yeah. which we uh, go through the months. Uh, we basically, we create playlists from the MT, the prime MTV years, I guess is the t- it's weird to say what the time frame is without like going into a whole thing, but it's basically from when MTV started to when Carson Daly left TRL. <laughs> and that, that 22 year period we basically go we pick a month and a year 
randomly. And then we pick three songs each and create a six song playlist. You of know, our favorite songs. This would be, this would be, this is such a cool fucking idea for people like me that have no fucking musical knowledge whatsoever. Still don't. Yeah. And, and I need some get, new songs. Especially because we review the top 100. So we review like what was hot in that month of that month right. of year. And then basically just choose our favorites. And we don't go with like what was number one or number two all the time. Like, well, like I, I chose a song that was number 99 in the first week of December of 2000. And what was it? Recent episode, uh, The Light by Common. Uh, Fuck. See, I can't even fucking think of that. A, it's a rap song with, um, that goes like, I never knew a love, 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 a love like this. Gotta be something for me to write this. Oh yeah, and then and then it had a Bobby Caldwell sample, which you know there are times when you need someone. I will be by your side. That sounds so. There cool. is a light that oh. shines special for you yeah. and me. Yeah, I mean, if you found, you could probably find it right now. Yeah, the light by Common. So, yeah, it's definitely anyway. Yeah. Uh, Max, your socials. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Lionhearted, which is T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. Boom! I didn't even say what the name of the podcast was. Uh, <laughs> that other podcast is called We Watched R M T V. So we, we watched, watched R M T V. It's a Spotify exclusive uh, because it is we we include the songs that we choose as well. Uh, in our episodes so it's only on spotify uh and then max you get to choose next week's movie and we are out of shitless month we fucking god thank you thank you (laughs) although we ended it with a film that wasn't horrible yeah i don't feel that that was a good way to end it that was a great segue we had to find one that wasn't horrible much like we had one last year with failure to launch but we ran into that in the middle of the of the month and yeah this is a good one and uh so this month or this month we talked about doing a theme and i like that idea i don't think we're going to i don't want to do it though right like no okay so we're gonna do a movie that is also on netflix which is where we watched this one so this one is also free called someone great a Netflix original starring Gina Rodriguez, and it also has the Keith Stanfield in it. That's right. And Brittany Snow and some other folks. So I'm down. I have not seen this film. I haven't either. Uh, I did read a review of it once, and then I didn't watch it. So. <laughs> oh, God. I <laughs> hope that's not indicative of something. I, no, I, I just, I don't know. Like, it, it just nothing like I, I don't know. Nothing drove me to it. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like the, the review was like, yeah, relatively positive. The trailer looked relatively okay. I guess it's just the whole Gina Rodriguez thing. The fact that she's said the N word before and then, quote unquote apologized for it but didn't seem apologetic 
Well, more of like she sang the N word in like songs, and that like was messy with the apostle. It's a whole thing. Oh, uh, okay. Um, like, like yeah, she like sang a Fuji song, in which like she was singing it just in a video, and then she sang it without censoring herself, which included an N word in it, and then people were just like, ah, what are you doing, miss? And then she didn't apologize as contritely as she probably should have as someone in her position. And then just kind of <laughs> dug her feet in a little bit. And it it was right. I think it was right around the time this film came out. And so oh, I really? just, okay. just like, so I was just like, uh, I, uh, she exhausts me. But <laughs> we're going to watch this film. So let's do it. Um, until then for the tens and tens of listeners we love y'all we thank you for rocking with us and we'll catch you next week love you guys